Good morning to each one of you. Um, as you saw in the bulletin, <clears throat> the title of the message is Remember Now, Thy Creator in the Days of Thy Youth. I've um, been pondering this for some time, and I've also been reading a book, uh, Boys Adrift. I don't know how many of you have heard of or read the book Boys Adrift. I don't, uh, some of it's beyond my ability to comprehend, uh, but it's, uh, it's an interesting, I don't think it's a Christian perspective. Is that right, Ashley? It's, but it's, uh, it is highlighting the fact that, that good, solid young men in our society are becoming more and more scarce. Uh, so it, it kind of went along with some scriptures I was thinking of. So this morning, I would like to think a while um, about young men. This does not mean that I think young ladies are not worth thinking about, because some of the young ladies here in this room are are very special friends of mine, and uh, I think highly of you. But godly young men are fundamental in establishing Christian homes and leading out in those homes so that faith is passed on from one, or one generation to the next. And that paves the way for young women to fulfill God's role for them in, in uh, life. Godly young ladies find few things more frustrating than young men that are not serious, will not lead, and fail to live upright, moral lives. So there's no better time uh, for young men or anyone to start remembering their creator than in the days of their youth. Now, before we go any further, I have a question for you. Uh, How many of you here this morning have an Uncle Paul? You have an Uncle Paul. Okay, not, not real many. There's a few. Well, I have, I have had 18 uncles. Um, maybe you've had that many. Probably most of you don't have that many, but some of you probably have more. Uh, 18 uncles, uh, 10 of them have passed away. I still have eight. But just one of them is a Paul. I have an Uncle Paul. He's still living. He's 94. Haven't, haven't seen him in a number of years. Uh, uncles can play a big part in our lives. Uncle Paul um, has been a good uncle. Uh, He's not the most influential uncle. Uncle Elvin, which Milo would know, and Mel, uh, has had a huge impact on on my life. Uh, Do we know of anyone in the Bible who had an Uncle Paul? Anyone? Was there anyone in the Bible that had an Uncle Paul? Just say who, if you think of it. Anybody? Certainly, somebody is thinking of Uncle Paul. Please don't disappoint me. 
Yeah, yeah. Paul's nephew had an Uncle Paul. Yes, yes. That story's in Acts 23, and uh, we'll go there. You can turn there. Uh, I'd like to just uh, give you a little background leading up to that story. That young man has always fascinated me, and I've been frustrated that Scripture doesn't tell us more. It don't even give us his name. Uh, But I would like to look at what we do know about that young man. But the the story leading up starts in uh, Acts 19. Paul was in uh, Ephesus for a couple of years, uh, teaching, and a lot of good things were happening. And he decides he's going to Jerusalem. And then after he visits Jerusalem, he's going to Rome. That, that was his plan. And, and he makes numerous stops along the way as he goes to Jerusalem. And, and almost at every stop, people warn him, Paul, don't. Don't go to Jerusalem. You, uh, you are going to run into trouble there. And in uh, chapter 20... It says this, uh, starting at verse 22. And see now, I go bound in the spirit. That's an interesting term. Bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. So the Holy Spirit is telling him in every city, probably through believers, uh, that chains and tribulations are awaiting him in Jerusalem. Verse 24, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry to which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Well, he travels on and over in chapter, we're we're skipping things here, but uh, in chapter 21, he lands at Tyre and he finds some believers there. He's there for a short while and uh, they warn him, "Don't, don't go to Jerusalem. He goes on and he stops in Caesarea at Philip the Evangelist's house. Uh, He has the four daughters that were prophetesses. And uh, there, Agabus, a prophet, again warns him that there's danger awaiting him in Jerusalem. And then Paul says this in uh, chapter 21, verse 13, when they were just weeping and pleading with him, don't go to Jerusalem, he says this, what mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, he arrives in Jerusalem and uh, Paul meets with James and the elders and gives a report on, on his missionary work. And then the elders come up with a plan to head off trouble. They, they sense trouble about to happen. They come up with this plan to avoid it. It doesn't work. There is trouble. Uh, Some men from Asia stir up the people against Paul. And 
They're about to kill him. And the Roman soldiers step in and rescue him. And then as they're taking him into the palace, he pleads with the soldiers, I'd like to talk to the crowd. And so he he talks to the crowd and says some things they don't want to hear. And the crowd erupts into chaos and the soldiers again step in and and take him into the palace and rescue him from the crowd. The next day, he speaks to the chief priests and their council, and again, things erupt into chaos, and the soldiers step in and remove Paul again. Isn't it ironic? These ungodly Roman soldiers need to keep these religious people from killing each other again and again. Is is kind of... Interesting. Well, that night, uh, the Lord appears to Paul and says, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. So that, that brings us up to the story we want to look at here this morning. Uh, Paul is assured here by God that he would would go to Rome. Now, unknown to Paul, there's other things happening in the background. So let's go to uh, Acts 23, and and we'll pick up at uh, verse 12. It's always uh, difficult to decide how much scripture to read because you run out of time really quick if you read lots of scripture. So that's why I tried to give you the background as quickly as possible rather than reading it. But we do want to read the story here. uh, Chapter 23, verse 12. And when it was day, this is after the Lord told him that night, you're going to Rome. The next morning, uh, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an, an oath saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Now there were more than 40 who had formed this conspiracy. They came to the chief priests and elders and said, we have bound ourselves under a great oath that we will eat nothing until we have killed Paul. Now you therefore, together with the council, suggest the commander that he brought down to you tomorrow as though you were going to make farther inquiries concerning him. But we are ready to kill him before he comes near. So when Paul's sister's son heard of their ambush, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions to him and said, Take this young man to the commander, for he has something to tell him. So he took him and brought him to the commander and said, Paul the prisoner called me to him and asked me to bring this young man to you. He has something to say to you. Then the commander took him by the hand and went aside and asked privately, What is it that you have to tell me? And he said, The Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about him. But do not yield to them. For more than 40 of them lie in wait for him. Men who have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. 
And now they are ready, waiting the promise from you. So the commander let the young man depart and commanded him, tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. And he called for two centurions, saying, prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night and provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. We'll stop there. Uh, That's quite a story. 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen. That's, That's a pretty secure force around, uh, I think, a fairly old man by now, Paul. And they're up against 40, more than 40 angry Jewish men. So what do you think those men lying in wait did when this large company came down the road? I would guess they stayed lying. And then got up and went looking for something to eat and drink, I'm guessing. I don't think they kept their oath and died. I'm doubtful. So what do we know about this young man? Uh, Can you offer something? What do we know about him from the story? It's not a lot, but we do know a few things. What do we know about him? Okay, he was a Jew, right? I mean, Paul was, Paul was a Jew and his nephew, so most likely he was a Jew, at least half. Uh, he was sympathetic to the cause. Yeah, 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 very much so. His mother was Paul's sister. What about his grandfather? Do we know anything about his grandfather? His grandfather was a Pharisee. Paul says, I am a Pharisee, son of a Pharisee. So, assuming they had the same father, his sister, uh, yeah. So his grandpa was a Pharisee. Uh, He was of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, How did this young man feel about Paul? And Mel alluded to that. He, He loved Paul. It's clear. There's no... There's nothing in it for him. It's, it's for Paul. So there, there's a lot we don't know about this young man that I wish we did. Uh, how old was he? What indication do we have that might give us a little idea how old he is? Okay. And that, that, may, that may vary from one culture to another. I don't know. But just think here in our own culture. Look around the room here. Who would you take by the hand, and who would it be really awkward to take by the hand? Um, now, there are occasions. I took my dad by the hand one time. Uh, he had, he had uh, we were delivering feed, and he jumped off the truck onto a bale of hay that happened to be over a hay hole and disappeared and hit his head on a concrete floor, and he was unconscious for a while and I was this little 12 year old boy and it's a long story but I took him by the hand and we went and found the farmer 
but normally, normally it's a pretty little chap that you that you take by the hand unless there's some some really uh, unusual circumstance. So you know the culture may have been different, but I would guess uh, I would guess this is a young. It's the same word as last Sunday's Sunday school lesson. The young man that came up to Jesus and said, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" Same word. And and from my studies, that word can be used to anybody up to 40. But there's a lot of men in this room that I would not take by the hand that are younger than 40. Um, so we would guess he, he was fairly young. Um, how did he hear of this plot? Now, we don't know. I'd like to imagine a little. Um, what do little boys do? Well, they, they climb trees, Okay. So he climbs this olive tree. He's up there in the leaves and uh, watching the birds. Boys, some boys, at least one of my boys likes birds. Uh, The men gather around the bottom of this olive tree for shade and hatch their plan. I have no idea there's a little boy up there listening. Possibility, maybe. Did his mother tell him? Uh, Maybe. Uh, what would men that aren't going to eat for a while do? They'd eat, right? I mean, I would if I knew I wasn't going to eat for a while. Of course, they didn't think it was going to be very long. Uh, maybe, maybe nephew's mother ran a restaurant, and these men were gathered there under the shade trees eating and little boy washing dishes or cleaning up around the restaurant heard something. I don't know. Uh, was his father, doesn't say anything about his father. Was his father one of the 40 men? Maybe. We hope not, but some, some young men have fathers like that that would do that. Uh, Maybe his father and mother disagreed with each other about Uncle Paul's choices to follow Jesus. This hasn't been, you know, this, this, uh, this young boy may remember when Paul was not a follower of Jesus. I don't know. Certainly, I would think his sister, uh, Paul's sister, would remember. Uh, maybe he lived in a divided home. Jesus said in in Matthew 10, do not think that I am come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. I think Jesus is saying here that when it comes to choosing to follow Jesus, there may well be divisions in families. And that that still happens today. It's heartbreaking to watch, but it happens. I don't think God ever intended children to referee fights between mom and dad. I don't think, I don't think that was God's intent, at least not little children. Now there there comes, you know, someday I'll be an old man and, and uh, Jody's going to have to tell me what to do. And she's capable of that. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, Nephew grew up in a dysfunctional home. 
dysfunctional homes can have lifelong consequences on children. We see that Jacob and Esau grew up in a dysfunctional home, and, and it had major impacts on their lives. Like we mentioned before, there's nothing said about uh, nephew's father. Uh, maybe he didn't have a father. Maybe uh, his mother was a single mother. Uh, maybe he had an absent father. And there's, there's numerous ways to be an absent father. Uh, a father can leave. Uh, Leave the family never to be heard of again. That, that can happen. Uh, there can be a father that's just seldom home. He's always doing other things. Uh, there can be a father that's home in body but absent in mind. Preoccupied with, with other things, temporal things. Uh, fathers can be emotionally absent or relationally distant. Uh, those are all ways to be an absent father. And, and maybe, this, maybe this young man had a, just had an absent father. Uh, fathers, if, if you want to raise godly young men, love their mother. Uh, if you don't do that, you're... Uh, you're getting off on a bad start. Maybe nephew had a controlling mother. Um, maybe she was still following the scribes and Pharisees like Paul was some years back. It can be very troubling uh, to a young man to grow up in a home where his father is not given the opportunity to lead. Uh, or maybe he has the opportunity, but, but he hesitates, he dodges, disappears, avoids stepping up to the task. And, and there's a role reversal. Role reversals should not happen in Christian homes. Uh, scripture's clear what the roles are. And, and that be, can be more challenging for some people than others, depending on personalities. Um, I have a good friend that is exactly that. His wife is a born leader, and he's, he's a born, uh, he's a good man, a really good man. He's a bishop in a church. Uh, he's, he's thoughtful and, and hesitates a little maybe at times, but uh, a really good man. And I asked him, how does it work? He said, we talk. We have to sit down and talk about it regularly because it's an issue. It's always an issue in our, in our marriage. So if that's you, um, do just that. Talk about it. Maybe nephew's mother's name was Esther. Possibly. Possibly he taught her the story of Queen Esther. Um, and here's young man. Thinking about Esther, God put me here, maybe in this olive tree, to hear of this plot about my Uncle Paul. So I'm going to the palace, and if I perish, I perish. 
just like Esther. Possible? Maybe Uncle Paul taught nephew about Joshua. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God will go with thee whithersoever thou goest, even to the barracks of the Roman palace. God will go with you. Maybe. Certainly, certainly Paul taught nephew by example. Paul fearlessly went wherever. Um, He was not worried about what could or would or might happen to him. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, this is again from Joshua, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe nephew was all on his own and decided to make the choice. I'm going to serve God in my youth. We don't know. Maybe he memorized Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Or Ecclesiastes 11.9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. And walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Maybe that was in his mind. He would have had those scriptures. Regardless of what all the circumstances may have been that that surrounded nephew, he chose to do the right thing and played a part in accomplishing God's will for Uncle Paul so that he could safely go on to Rome like God promised him. God used nephew to accomplish Paul getting safely to Rome. Parents never underestimate the power of the stories of God's word to help your children choose right from wrong in any circumstance. To remember now their creator in the days of their youth. Now there's a lot more could be said. Uh, what, what it takes to, to raise godly young men. Uh, and some of that may come out in our Sunday school lesson. That's um, some material there along this same line. It's, it's uh, if you stop and think about it seriously, it's very sobering to raise children. And, and in particularly young men, I think um, our society is failing Young men, um, they're they're not given uh, the respect they deserve. They're not 
being challenged to step up and be men. It's not, it's not uh, something that's looked up to and respected to be a godly young man. And uh, I think we have to be careful that doesn't creep into, into our own circles. And, and like I said at the beginning, this is, this is not putting godly young women down at all. It's, it's paving the way for that. Uh, but if, if godly young men don't step up and be what God wants them to be, then the ladies are at a disadvantage right from the beginning to be what what they what God wants them to be I wish there were more uh, young men here this morning but there are other places uh, but there are there are some young fellows here and and I want to challenge you if you would turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 12 I'd like to read a few verses that's where our uh, the verse didn't get on the board this morning, but if there would be one up there, it would be uh, the title of the message. Remember now the creator, thy creator in the days of thy youth. Uh, let's go to Ecclesiastes 12 and, and we'll read a couple of verses there in closing. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Skipping down to verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. There's there's plenty of evil around that trips up Uh, young men today. And as parents, we have a responsibility to challenge young men that right there, someday, God will be holding them accountable. And and they better keep that in mind um, as they choose. Fathers, your, your boys need a good example. There is nothing that can uh, impact them more than a good example. And that, that happens like it says in, is it in Exodus? Uh, as you sit in the house, as you walk by the way, every, all of life, uh, when, when you think they're not watching, they are. And the, the saying that more is caught than taught is very true. And if you think that you're not communicating things that are really happening, you're fooling yourself. Um, your boys are intelligent, right? They're your boys. Why wouldn't they be? <laughs> uh, they're they're going to catch on. And they, they know way more than you think they know about what you're thinking and feeling. Fathers and mothers, your boys need to see you functioning in your God-given roles, not a reversal. And, 
You've heard me say this before, and, and it's an important one, and uh, there's a ditch on the other side of the road. Scripture is not talking about authoritarian fathers that bark and everybody jumps. That's not at all what Scripture's talking about, but, but there is a way to lead, and, and ladies need to give men uh, the space and the opportunity to lead and, and support them and and that is, that is invaluable in, in a home functioning the way God wants it to. Uncles, we have a lot of uncles here this morning. Uncles, be godly young men to your nephews that they can look up to you and they'll be led in the right direction. Uh, unfortunately, not all young men have godly fathers. But maybe they have godly uncles that can can step in and in the gap there and and help. And I think some of you are doing that and have done that. And God bless you in that. Godly uncles are a huge blessing, especially when there's an ungodly father. And young men. Choose to do the right thing before God, even if it puts you at risk. Um, And we could say a lot about what that means to be put at risk. Uh, There's lots of ways to to be put at risk. In closing, here's a verse from Paul to another young man, Timothy. Let no man despise thy youth, But be thou an example to the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So let's remember, young men, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And you will never, I can promise you, you will never regret that all the days of your life. May God bless you.